An ancient river curse is started when three men believe a stupid rumor. And then we travel to Oklahoma, the year 1898, and a minister has been pushed to the brink by witches in his community. And there's only one way he knows how to stop them. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day too. Little bit of a head cold, so my voice might sound a little more hoarse than normal. I can feel it in my nose. I can feel it growing. I can feel the the mucus just hanging out in there. Remember those Mucinex commercials? I don't watch television anymore. Not because I'm a snob, because I'm too busy. Remember that little Mucinex guy had the little white tank top on and he'd always be... That, I think, is the best interpretation of what mucus would actually be like in real life. It'd be really disgusting. I don't think mucus, if it was turned into a... Remember that movie, Osmosis Jones? This Okay, this episode's just become me saying remember stuff. Let's move on to the first story. I was saying that white blood cells would probably be cops. That was the... Okay, but anyways... Let's go ahead and move on to our first story. Remember when I used to actually do stories on this podcast? Let's hop in the Carpenter Copter. We haven't been in that thing for a while. We're going to hop in the Carpenter Copter, and we are going to Maine, the state of Maine. So I I have no... Maine is what? The state of maple trees and rich people. And there's probably like one bad neighborhood where they don't have a maple tree, and they're only upper middle class. And everyone's like, oh man, look out for those guys. They don't tie their sweaters around their neck, and they only drive 2017 model cars. Everyone's like, eh, gross. Holding their purse close to them as they're walking through this neighborhood. Anyways, we don't have to deal with any of that. We're going back in time, too, to the year 1675. We're at the Sacco River in Maine. So, bubbling river. Just sounds more like a burning building, but trust me, it was a very peaceful, beautiful river. And by the river, there was a group, there was an Indian tribe called the Soko Keys. Soko Keys, right? And the Soko Keys was led by their chieftain, Squandro. Squandro. Now, I recently did an episode about a boat named the Squando, and while I was doing some deep research on that, this dude popped up. So there's that connection. Has nothing to do with the rest of the story. I just thought it was interesting. Squandro is the leader of this Native American tribe. Now, he has a wife that he loves very, very much. Little baby. Little baby boy, too. And he's very, very proud leader of this tribe. But one day when he's away, his wife and his son are chilling by the river. Now, it's a baby. It's not even like a three-year-old or nothing. It's like a tiny little baby person, right? And the wife and the baby are hanging out of the river. Now, while this is going on, there are three white dudes walking through the bushes. I mean, they weren't stalking these people. They were simply walking through the area. But when they saw the woman and the baby, one of the dudes, one of the settlers, turns to the other two and goes, Have you guys heard that rumor? And the other guy's like, what are you you talking about? That's very vague. The world is full of rumors. He's like, yeah, yeah, but that one specific rumor. I heard that a Indian baby can dog paddle from birth. We Europeans, we breaststroke. That's the more advanced type of swimming. We have to learn to breaststroke, but Indian babies, they will dog paddle right when they're born. 
Now, it is interesting because have you ever seen those disgusting videos of women giving birth underwater and the babies kind of like move? Kind of like... Now, and they're not full-on dog paddling, but they do seem to kind of like naturally know how to swim. You know, they also say, they did this study, that if you take a mom... This is going to sound horrible, but if you take a mom and she's dead, the baby... They've seen this happen on, like, war-torn countries. A a newborn baby that's resting on a mom, right? And she dies because it's malnutrition or she's shot or whatever. There have been observations... Sorry, guys. (laughs) This is kind of a dark episode, but this is fascinating. There have been observations that the baby will pull itself up. Not straight up like Tomb Raider climbing all the way up, but if the baby is somewhere near the nipple of the mother who's unable to feed it, the baby can actually move a couple inches up to latch onto the nipple. Medical personnel who have seen this said that is impossible. The baby doesn't have the musculature to move at all. They're just like a little doughy ball of organs. But they said, we've seen it. Now, to be fair, I don't know why the medical personnel just (laughs) didn't pick up the baby and move it over or give it some Similac or something. But... Apparently, that's possible. So babies can do weird things right out the gate. And it was funny, I was reading the article about that, and they said, while that may just be a legend, why that may not actually be true, they can't test it. Because they just can't take a newborn baby and then be like, okay, mom, pretend you're dead for 10 minutes, because the baby doesn't do it right away. The baby's not like, ooh, I guess I'm born, time to eat, and then crawls up there. Like, as the baby's getting hungrier and hungrier, and the nipple's just a few inches away, the mom's laying there. The baby goes, sometimes if you want something done, you got to do it yourself, and climbs up there. So they can't replicate that. They can't take a newborn baby, knock the mom out, and do that. But anyways, anyways, the point of all that was the Europeans go, I bet you that baby can dog paddle right away. Again, a baby can sometimes paddle right out of the vagina. Maybe I'm mis- Maybe that's not true. Maybe that's not true. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. Maybe I'm thinking about a Nirvana album cover. But anyways, don't try it. Don't try it. And that's what these guys did. They go, if you throw a baby, the babies can dog paddle right away. So you know where this is going, despite that six-minute segue. The Europeans walk up. They're like, hey, lady, let me see your baby. Now, she's obviously like, no way. I'm not going. But there's three of them. There's one of her. And they're like, come on, just give us your baby. All we're going to do is throw it in the water and watch it swim, and then we'll give the baby back. Now, she knows, obviously that this is a bad idea. But they do grab her baby from her and throw it into the water and immediately realize that they'll, they'll, they turn to each other and go, I guess the rumor isn't true. Baby just <laughs> goes down. The mother then jumps into the water and pulls her baby out, saves her baby. But hours later, the baby died. So sorry, guys. There's versions of the story where the mom also dies, like the baby fell into the water and drowned and you're <laughs> dark episode i know baby drowns and then the mom jumps in and she drowns but whatever the whatever that part of the story is what we know historically is that the chieftain's son died after an incident between settlers and his son in the water we know that that's a historical fact died a couple hours later we don't know died at the time we don't know but what happened then was squandra was so infuriated by what had happened so mad that he went to the river and placed a curse on it. And he curses it, and he says, Every year, this river will claim three lives until the white men are gone from the area. He made the lightning bolt noise, and then turned and walked away. So then, 
that really started a thing where you did not go to the river to hang out, to get your tubing on, to go catch some rays, until three people died. It was one of those things, like, hey, what are you doing this weekend? Ah, you know, I really want to go to the river, but only two people have died yet. And you're like, yeah, if only someone would hurry up and become deceased in that river, then we could have fun. The mayor's waiting to have the big river festival, and he's like, come on, come on, one more person. Who? Let's throw a homeless person in there. This story went on for a long time. And in 1947, that was the first time that three people didn't die in the river that year. And the newspaper actually ran a headline. It was the main Sunday Telegram newspaper. In 1947, they run this headline. Sacco River outlives curse of Indian chief. It was something people took so seriously that when three people didn't die in that river, it was announced in the news. And ever since then, that curse seems to have been broken. Was there any real thing to this curse? Now, what's interesting was this story originally happened back in the 1600s. It wasn't until 1880 that we see a first mention of the curse. So most likely what happened was the event was real. It was a contributing factor, a main contributing factor in a massive war that took place back in the 1600s. And then over time, people saw a weird coincidence happening. And then they tried to figure out a reason for the coincidence and made up the story about the curse. It seems like, think about it, if your kid was killed, you're not going to be like, I will take to the streets, fight crime, and arrest three people a year. (laughs) You would say, everyone, every white person who ever comes in this river is going to drown. And at home, their kid will drown. Doesn't matter. Sitting in a crib, watching television, all of a sudden, (laughs) just water bubbling out of their mouth. Now, maybe curses, maybe like you can only do so much with a curse. Maybe that was the best curse power he had built up. But, you know, why three? Why just three a year? Why not three a month or three a day? Eh, I don't think the curse... That is an interesting question, though. Do curses... Can you only curse so much? There's actually a curse going on right now with the Los Angeles Kings, the hockey team, because... They put up, the not them, the Staples Center put up a banner saying, Congratulations, Taylor Swift. You've had more concerts here than any other musical artist. And ever since that banner has been up, the LA Kings have not won a Stanley Cup. And actually, the year after it was put up, they were the second worst team in the league and the worst in their Western Conference division. So now, this season, they've covered it up. They won't let people see this banner. They believe it's cursed. At least the fans believe it's cursed. So it's been covered up. But here's the thing. So if that is an actual cursed item, would the curse follow them to away games? Like, how much power does a curse have? I don't know. All I know for a fact, don't throw babies in the water. And also, it's probably not a good idea to run steadies on how mobile children are, just in general. Just in general. Let's do a quick Dead Rabbit Recommends here. You wake up, you're standing on a red circle in a black room. Around you are other people, a hundred people, standing in their own red circle. You're all standing in a giant circle. In the middle of this black room is a red dome. And you see someone in the group also wake up. They take a step off the circle and are immediately killed. 
This movie is called Circle. It's on Netflix. I think it might be a Netflix exclusive. It came out a couple years ago. Again, it's one of those movies that I think going into, you have you can go into it with as much knowledge as the characters themselves, which is how I experience. I love not watching trailers, just putting movies in. And I did that once. I thought I was watching this movie and I thought it was a horror movie and it was a lesbian love drama and I kept waiting. There's this woman who was like a roofer and then there was this hot married woman, like this ad ad manager or something like that. And across the way, this woman was like roofing stuff, putting roofs up. She owned her own roofing company. And they're like checking each other out. And the girl's like, I'm the married woman's like, but I'm not gay. And the roofer's like, uh, you know, come here, beautiful. Blah, blah, making out there. I'm <laughs> watching it. And I kept expecting the one of them to go crazy and start murdering. I mean, you had a bunch of hammers laying around and saws and stuff. No, it was a lesbian love drama. About 45 minutes in, when they went on a date to like Coney Island and they're like hugging as the sun's going down, they're seagulls. I was like, I think, I don't think this is a horror movie, but maybe. And I gave it another 15 minutes and I was like, okay, bleh. so I went on IMDb because, and it was, it wasn't a horror movie. It was just, a movie about two women falling in love. So, Circle. <laughs> Back to Circle. If you if you can go into the movie with as little information as the characters have, I've, it works really, really well. It's a, it's a horror movie. It's definitely a horror movie. Sci-fi horror movie. Now, again, one day I recommended this movie. I was seeing this girl, and I was like, hey, you should see this movie. The Circle is what I called it. And she's like, really? I was like, yeah. You should watch The Circle. It's really good. And she, I go, it's on Netflix. And she looked it up. And that was a gay love drama. And she watched it because she liked me. And then later I was like, oh, did you see Circle? And she was like, uh, yeah. And I go, well, what did you think? It was pretty cool. They're all standing in the circle. And she's like, what? What are, you, what, what are you talking about? And I was like, you remember the... And she's like, okay, I'm going to be honest with you. I watched a movie called The Circle. And when the two dudes started banging each other... I was wondering if you were trying to tell me something, and I'm like, what are you talking about? So apparently, there is The Circle. That's not what we're talking about. Circle. I don't know if The Circle's good or bad. I don't know. But Circle on Netflix. The picture is a bunch of people standing on red circles. Not If you see two dudes hugging, totally different movie. Let's move on to our last story here. This story's dope. It's a very, very interesting layered story. It's Let's go ahead and get started here. So we are headed to Oklahoma. The year is 1898. And we're going to meet a man, a minister, named Solomon Hotema. He's 44 years old. Very, very well-respected man in his community. Very well-respected man in his state. He was a politician. He was a public servant. He was a minister who was mostly noted for his sermons. His oration skills were bar none. Very, very well-liked, kind, respected man in his area. But what happens in this little town they're in is that people start to get sick and die. A mysterious illness is sweeping through the town. Now, whenever an illness hits a town, obviously everyone's going to start panicking. Is it going to happen to me? Or more importantly, is it going to happen to my children? And Solomon's son comes down with this mysterious illness and passes away. Now, we know today that it was meningitis that hit this town. But back then, you had scientists and doctors going, I don't know what, what's going on, but it's most likely some sort of biological or contagion, some sort of viral contagion. We have to figure out a way to stop this. But the people in town go, 
It's witchcraft. Now, this whole area was Native American. It was very, it was, it, we're long after Trail of Tears. People are more settled down. It wasn't a bunch of wigwams and teepees and stuff like that. But they were still mostly Native American in this area. So they're going, well, it's probably witches. It's probably witches. And Solomon's like grieving over his son and reading the Bible and praying. And he goes, you know what? Let's get Sam Tamatubby, which is a great name for a Pokemon, Tamatubby. And it's spelt exactly like you think it is. Let's get Sam Tamatubby. Very well-respected medicine man in the area. Let's bring him out. And Sam Tamatubby comes out to this church meeting. And he goes, yeah. Yeah, they're witches. Like, I, I, I knew they were witches. I've been practicing my medicine man stuff. But yeah, I know they're witches. So we got to do something about them. Solomon goes, the best thing I can do is I will pray and to give these sermons to turn people away from witchcraft because we need to stop it now. And so he starts delivering all these fiery sermons about the evils of witchcraft and stuff like that. But the disease isn't going away. And Tamatubby says, the witches are actually using their power to make your sermons not work. Like we're coming up to a divide here. As long as these witches exist in this community, your sermons will be ineffective. Solomon is praying day and night. Again, just wearing that cloak of the grief of his lost son. And, you know, other people are still dying in the area. And then one night when he's praying, he looks out his window. Fireball goes streaking through the night sky. And he gets up and he looks out into the darkness and sees these fireballs flying across the plains. Now, other people were seeing these things, too, and they weren't shooting stars. Because these guys aren't idiots. This dude's a co- like this guy is a college-educated dude. We're in that era where people aren't like, Durr, what's that in the sky? It's, it's, they know it's the sun. Like, meningitis, and you're going, well, they didn't know it was meningitis. Meningitis is a bit different. That's like a viral contagion. But it's not like he looked up and saw shooting stars and was like, oh, witches. Like, they were seeing some weird phenomenon in the area. I'm not saying they were witches. It could have been, like, swamp gas or whatever. But people in the area were seeing this thing. April 14th, 1898. Solomon goes outside his house, knocks on his neighbor door. Knock, knock, knock. Sam, we got to do the Lord's work. Walk to his other neighbor's house. Knock, knock, knock. Tobias, old-timey name, Tobias. Get your gun. Solomon and Sam and Tobias hop in his car and they drive to his sister-in-law's house, Vina Coleman, who he believes is one of these witches. So Solomon Hotema and his two neighbors show up at Vina's house, jump out of the car. Both neighbors have rifles. Solomon has a shotgun and they see Vina and they go, this is our first witch. Here's a quote from Vina's daughter who was there during this whole scenario. Mr. Hotema, he keep and coming nearer to our house, and he pointed his gun our way as he raised it to the shoulder. I run into the house, and my mama pushed baby toward floor. He missed them once, I think. And mama grabbed baby and tried to run from him. I don't know just what happened next. But when shooting stopped, I looked outside the house. Mr. Hotema, he was gone, but mama was laying on ground near gate. She did not make no noise, but little baby was crying. Mama was lying on it, one shoulder, 
holding baby to ground. I told my brother who was in the house, Mr. Hotema, he killed Mama. We must run, and we run away. I don't think I ever saw Mama again. I don't never hate Mr. Hotema. He was good man. He was our pastor. But I don't think my Mama was a witch. So, they leave. They hop in their car, but that's only the first witch they have to kill. So it is going to be a long day for this small community. They start driving, they go to Whole Greenwood's house. This would be one of those things that's terrifying. It's Whole Greenwood's house. They pull up, jump out of their car. So they walk into the house. Well, they kick down the door, basically. They don't knock, hey, how are you doing? Hey, can I see your wife? They come in the house and they go, where's your wife? And Whole goes, uh, you know, what are you guys doing here? You guys got these guns and stuff like that. They say, listen, you can tell us where your wife is or we're going to kill you. And at that point, the wife comes out and she goes, I'm right here, I'm right here. And they go, okay, well, we're going to kill you. And now everyone's freaking out and she's begging for her life. Sorry, this is a dark one. She's begging for her life. The husband's trying to get involved and they say, if you move, we're going to kill you too. But she's definitely dead. And as she's begging for her life, they execute her. Now, that would be a heartbreaking place to be in. And you could say, well, he should have like done like a John Wick kick and knocked all the guys. You know, it's easy to go through that stuff now, but they leave. And he's there with his dead wife. At this point, word has gotten out. Solomon and his neighbors are executing witches. It's a, it's an interesting time period because it's 1898. People aren't idiots. A lot of people are like, ah, it's probably a sickness. Like, yes, it could be witchcraft and stuff like that, but him and his congregation believed in the witches. But you had other people in town who were like, that's, that's lunacy that people are believing in this. So when someone's driving around killing witches, you're assuming that they're going to think you're a witch because you don't believe in witches. People are hiding. People are trying to contact the authorities and say there's basically a mass shooting going on. The killers, Solomon and his crew, go to Amos Morris's house, and he's just sitting there, and they just walk up and kill him. There's no discussion at all. There's no time for him to plead for his life. They simply just execute him right there. They got one more target to go to, and that's Eastman, Mississippi. Eastman, Mississippi. They drive out to his house. Knock, knock, knock. No answer. Open the spooky door. Look around each room. Just... Wasn't home that day. Three dudes looking to blow his brains out all over. He just wasn't home. He wasn't hiding. He just wasn't there. So at this point, the authorities have all of these reports of these. They're hearing the gunshots. They're driving around looking for these guys. Next day, they do find Solomon. He's at a, a train station. He's getting ready to go to Texas. And he's like, oh, yeah, I was going to turn myself in. I was going to turn myself in. But all of that is really just kind of the beginning of the story. Because what happens is we get into the legal ramifications of all this stuff. He gets arrested and they go, why did you kill them? And his quote, I have the authority to do so. Cop goes, where did you get this authority? And again, another quote, in the book of all books, the Bible, in the passage wherein it says, thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. He begins writing these letters in jail saying, listen, I know I killed a bunch of witches, but they're witches, and I am going to be a martyr for this cause of humans versus witches. Let me actually read you this quote. I thought it it was interesting. This is from one of his letters. 
Since 1898, in opposition to the work, meaning religion, Christianity specifically, since 1898, an opposition to the work has been manifested, threatened to wipe us out of existence with malpractice, and threats have been repeated on Thursday night, April 13th, 1899, which was the day before the shooting started, and that's when he saw the fireballs. The people are afraid of them and have been dodging for about a week and saw them in their fires. Appeared and took it upon myself to sacrifice my life for the Lord's cause and for the love of the people. Now I am numbered with the lawbreakers, only awaiting for trial. Not only for trial, but humbly to submit my neck to the gallows. I ask all the Christian people of the land to remember me and my dear wife, Nance Hotema, and my loving little daughter, Cornelia, and my darling little son, Frank Hotema, for their consolation in denying themselves for Christ, so that we may meet each other in heaven, where there is not parting. Yours in Christ, S.E. Hotema. Tell me that doesn't sound, I don't know how many of you guys, I read all these manifestos, tell me that doesn't sound just like the Christchurch Shooters Manifesto, or really any of these people You have mass shooters who are like, oh, society sucks. And then you have mass shooters who are like racist mass shooting or religious mass shooting, stuff like that. Tell me that doesn't sound just like one of those dudes who's like, it's time for us to rise up. It's exactly what it sounds like. I'm sacrificing myself for this greater good. It sounds exactly like a manifesto that would be written today. But anyways, which I find fascinating. It really shows that the human mind doesn't change much. Delusion is delusion. This was a huge court case because really it came down, it's fascinating stuff, it came down to this. Was he insane when he committed the acts? And it wasn't, obviously, he was sane enough to go get back up and have everyone, oh, and they were charged as accomplices. His two neighbors were charged with accomplices and Tamatubby was charged with accessory before the fact because they felt like his, him talking, he kind of provoked Solomon to do this. So there's basically three people arrested over this thing. It wasn't, it was he insane to commit acts, these acts, That was part of it, obviously, but is it insane to believe in witches was actually a big defense during the trial. Very, very fascinating because we think of old timey people as being kind of stupid. But during the trial, his defense lawyers was like, it's stupid to believe in witches and that you have to shoot them. And everyone's like, that is pretty dumb. Like we always think of people in the past as being stupid and superstitious. And they were in certain things. But by 1898, America... The mass population of people didn't believe in witches. And that actually came up. This went to the Supreme Court, just whether or not he was sane. They had all these trials. And when it went to the Supreme Court, they said, listen, we used to believe in witches. Like, we executed people in America a couple hundred years ago, and it was so shameful. But we did it. Maybe the natives, maybe the Indians haven't caught up to us yet. So that was an interesting little like side of racist thing. But they're saying we did it and we know now it was wrong. And the Indian society hasn't caught up to the West yet. So maybe they're just dumb. Maybe it's not necessarily insane, but they're not really thinking things through. <laughs> it's funny to think the Supreme Court could come out with a ruling like that. But anyways, then some weird stuff happened. After they're all arrested, this is before all the trial stuff. But while they're arrested, Tobias will, I'm grouping this up for a specific reason. After they're all arrested, they're all sitting in jail. Tobias Williams, one of the dudes with the gun, jailers go to a cell. He's dead. What? Hang himself? No. Heart attack? No. Nobody knows how this dude died. 
just died in his cell. The other two bailed out. Tamatubby, Sam Fry bailed out. I believe actually that Solomon was bailed out as well, awaiting trial. But Tamatubby, after he gets out of jail, awaiting trial, he's standing by a giant bonfire, right? Just hanging out. <gasps> he gets paralyzed. And he falls into the fire, getting horribly burned. He survives. But he basically had a stroke in one of the worst places you can have. The worst place you can have a stroke is probably swimming. But the second worst would be near a fire. So he survives, but he just became paralyzed for a moment, fell into the fire. Solomon's nephew was going to be a witness for the trial. He had nothing to do with the, the, with the shooting spree. But he must have had something to do with before or after it. But before the trial starts, maybe like, I don't know, what was it, two, three hundred yards away from the church that Solomon preached at, they found his nephew dead. Bullet wound, rifle on the ground. And people could never figure out, did he kill himself? Someone shoot him? Or an accident? We don't know what happened to Fry, really, after this. The reason why I grouped all those things is those seem a little bit like curses, don't they? Solomon ended up being found guilty. The insanity plea did not work, and they very rarely do. They work like 1% of the time. He was found guilty. He was sentenced to death. It was then commuted to life. They said, we're not going to execute him. And then around 54, 55, he was trying to get out of jail and just be under house arrest because he was so old, kind of frail, but he ended up dying in jail. That story is known as the Choctaw Witch Killer. I should have said Choctaw earlier. That was the tribe that all of these people were involved in. The Choctaw Witch Killer is how this story is known. How it was presented in the media. A man and his two friends, whipped up in a religious fervor, by a medicine man, travel around a community executing people because they thought they were witches. And then most of those men involved suffered their own calamity afterwards. A curse, if you will. Were there really witches in that town? Probably not. Do witches exist? There are people who openly proclaim to be witches nowadays. They would be offended if you said, that they don't exist and it's all made up. There's two questions I have about this story, really. One, why did they zero in on those particular people to be witches? I think that detail has been lost to time. And two, while I'm not supporting the idea of going around and killing witches, the fact that those bizarre events happened to the defendants afterwards makes me think they didn't get all of them. There was that one guy who wasn't home. Was it true that there was a witch in that area who was saved by luck and then used his powers to avenge his fallen coven? Fanciful? Yes. Borderline irresponsible? Yes. But after the gunfire, after the stories of superstition versus logic, after the last fireball was seen in the sky, was there still one more dark magic user in that area, casting spells, but this time for revenge? 
deadrabbitradio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.